Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me take a few minutes of your time before the Lord's Supper and answer the question, for what did Jesus die? For what did Jesus die? We have spent lots of time on other occasions answering why Jesus died, when, where, how, and for whom. The Lord's convicted me for what did Jesus die? Let me read to you verses 9 through 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not, this is basic elementary faith of our religion, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen, amen and amen. It's curtains. For any fornicator, it's curtains, it's doomed, it's damnation for any adulterer, for any reviler, for any drunkard. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not deceive yourselves. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. That is a past action still true in the present. A perfect tense verb construction. But ye are washed. It's done, it's finished, but still true. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. We have the Lord's Supper before us. We've considered those other wonderful aspects of our Lord's death. Why he did it. To display the glory and grace of God to the universe. When he did it. In the fullness of time. Where he did it. In the second temple. At Calvary, at a place called Golgotha. And the Roman cross. You heard just a couple of weeks ago the how from Psalm 22 by my brother. We have preached before the wonderful doctrine of limited atonement. For whom did he die? But today we want to consider what? We know he died for sin. Yea, he died for sins. Yea, he died for our sins. But we should consider it carefully to appreciate the supper. Sin is the transgression of the law, 1 John 3, 4. It's doing anything contrary to the Bible, period. If you think your little sins do not matter, Jesus rebuked that foolish idea in Matthew chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, and said, If your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
If you have failed to keep all the things God has commanded, you're doomed. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Just a few references. Galatians chapter 3. If you have failed to keep all the things God has commanded, you are doomed. Galatians 3.10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Is that plain enough? Cursed is everyone that doesn't continue in everything written in the law of God. James chapter 2. Turn over to James chapter 2 and verse 10, and it's a great cross-reference for Galatians 3.10, and Galatians 3.10 is a great cross-reference for James 2.10. James 2.10. If one sin, even your least sin, is not fully paid for, you are doomed to hell. James 2.10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. The full burden, the full weight, the full curse of the law is upon a man that breaks one provision, though he kept the rest. Muse about Adam's one sin of eating the forbidden fruit. One sin, we would consider it rather small. In our twisted way of viewing things, because we're not thrice holy. 100 billion souls get to die three different ways from one sin. If you think that the verses I just gave you sound extreme or harsh, I'm giving you an extreme point of doctrine right now. One sin, 100 billion souls, three deaths. Spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. Muse on that. The sight the smell, and the finality of death should grip you. The fact that babies die should grip you. Babies die because of Adam. Death is because of Adam and your sins. But even without your sins, you would die because of Adam's sin. Romans chapter 5 teaches us that. If you did not sin, which you cannot live without sin, you are guilty of Adam's sin still. So you're guilty of death and you're guilty of hell. And you're condemned to hell. Death stinks. Death is ugly. Death is terrible. Death is final, but it's not very final. It just commences eternity for a soul when it dies. Then it's the second death, as it's described regarding the lake of fire. The whole Bible proves that God sees all sins and does not acquit or overlook any one's single sin. He is fully capable of keeping track of all of them. In fact, he has them all written down. It is described in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12 as the books being opened. The books will be opened. Sinner, how do you plead? Guilty! I'm guilty! But nothing but the blood is my plea. It's my only plea. 
The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You have committed sins of all kinds in vast numbers that are in God's book. Those that are sent to hell go there for their own wickedness and sins because they were not paid for. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Men go to hell for telling a lie. Men go to hell because that lie is still hanging over them. Men go to hell and are sent to hell by almighty and pure and holy and just God because they told a lie. And that lie wasn't paid for. They'll pay for it for eternity. The Bible tells us that all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. All murderers, all adulterers, all whoremongers, all idolaters. And it tells us that repeatedly in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. You are a worker of iniquity from birth to this day. Every, even one sin of any kind damns you. Jesus will say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. They're still considered workers of iniquity. You are guilty of far more than one sin. James 2.10 said one sin's enough. You're guilty of far more. You're guilty of far more in one day. You're guilty of far more in most hours. You're guilty of many sins of the worst kind. Children and adults know they have more crimes or faults than those that are found and punished. When a child reaches a certain age, they have a conscience that reminds them that they're guilty. When their parents catch them in one sin and punish them for it, they know inside that mom and dad don't know everything. And so you're just like that, and you know it. Your conscience tells you you're guilty of more than's been exposed to this church or more than's been exposed to your family. You're guilty, but all of it will be exposed by God. It's already very visible to him. Therefore, the facts before the perfect and just court of heaven damn your soul to an eternal hell. For what did Jesus die? Not for whom, not how, not when, not where, not why. For what did Jesus die? You better hope that he died for these. This will take me a little while. Adam, adultery, actual, mental, or by divorce courts. Anger, without a holy cause. Answering again. Arrogance, being ashamed of Jesus Christ. Astrology, attendance at church services. Backbiting. Oh, are you thinking to yourself, those aren't very big. I remind you of the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 100 billion souls, three deaths, one little sin. These are worse. Bitterness, including against your wife. Boasting, burying your investment pound from God. Busybody. 
child training and not doing it like you should have. Communion, unworthily. Complaining, conceit, contending against your husband. The lack of contentment, being contentious, being covetous. Corrupt communication coming out of your mouth. Cursing your parents or anyone. Debate, deceit, defrauding, despising dignities, despising little ones, being destroyed, which is past being cast down, discouraging your children by excessively harsh treatment and conduct as a father, disobedient to husbands, disobedient to parents, Drunkenness. One of these, committed one time, condemn you to an everlasting hell and torment in the lake of fire. Emulation, which is excessive competitiveness with others. Not entertaining strangers. Envy, having an evil eye toward others. Evil surmising about them. Evil thoughts being faithless, overwhelmed by your pitiful little circumstances. False accusation, false witness, fantasies of sin, fear. Fear is sufficient. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. The unbelieving and the fearful are in the lake of fire. What are you afraid of? There's only one that you should fear, and that's God. What time I am afraid, I will put my trust in him. There's far more explanation, but it's not worth the time. I want you to hear the word of God. It says the fearful, filthy dreamers, flattery, foolish talking, foolishness, not forgiving others, fornication of thought, forsaking assemblies, Fortune-telling, being forward, gambling, gainsaying, giving, giving too little, giving grudgingly, gluttony, taking God's name in vain, holding grudges, hair length, short on a, too short on a woman, too long on a man, haste, hatred, he that hasteth with his feet, Sinneth, heady, hatred, high-minded, lacking in hospitality, hypocrisy, idle words. We'll give an account for every idle word. Idolatry, anything more important than God in your life. Immodesty, women, insubordinate to husbands. Irreverent to husbands. You wait till you meet the God of husbands. He is the God of the husband, not of you. He is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the husband, and the husband is the head of the wife. Wait until you meet the originator of that chain of command. Jesting. Doing less than your best on the job being judgmental, 
which is to be harsh or hypocritical in judging others. To kill. To kill. You think you're free of killing? Jesus applied the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, to anger with your brother without a cause, to calling him a fool without a cause, and so forth. And if you do not go correct offenses between you and a brother, then you're guilty of breaking the sixth commandment. The sixth commandment is extensive and wide, just like all the commandments of God. Knowing to do good, but not doing it. Lascivious, unbridled lust, just giving in to your feelings. Lazy, abusing Christian liberty, looking and lusting at a woman. Love, violating it toward brethren, toward a spouse. The love of money, the love of self, forgetting to love your enemies. Loving pleasure more than loving God. Not loving truth like you should. Allowing lust, lying, then malice. Marital treachery, then name-calling, naughtiness, neglect of spiritual duties like prayer, like reading, like charity, like being odious. It's everyone else's opinion about what is odious. It is not yours. It is everyone else's. They define odiousness. It is offending a little one. It is not giving parental honor. It's showing partiality. One of these sins is enough. Making plans without submitting it to God's will. Pleasure in sinners by association or by entertainment. Think about your television again. Praying for appearance sakes. Pride. Provoking your children to wrath. Being puffed up. Purloining. Small thefts on the job. Quiet. Women should be quiet. Quiet professionally by focusing on your own profession. Rage. You fly into a rage, it's not the sign of a man. It's the proof of a sinner. It's the evidence of hell. Railing. Name-calling. Rebellion. Respect of persons. Reveling. Reviling. Revenge. The desire for riches not ruling your spirit, not being satisfied with your wife, not saving. Saving is not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Not saving, not saving enough, scorn, self-love, self-will, self-righteous, slander, sowing discord, speaking evil, being a spendthrift, Spending more than you should to keep your entire budget lined up with God's commandments. You do not need half of what you spend your money on. Stealing, strife, stumbling block to others, stubbornness, which is as the sin of witchcraft, tailbearing, tattling, not paying taxes or lying on a tax return, television watching, the lack of temperance, Thought of sin, the thought of sin, the thought of foolishness is sin. The thought of sin is sin. Threatening, having your treasures on earth, trusting in riches, uncleanness, which is the broadest and largest sexual sin category in the Bible, unforgiving, unholy, unmerciful, unrighteous, unthankful, 
vainglory, variance, loving to be different than others, viewing evil things, not being a virgin when you got married, wantonness, unbridled lust, whispering, whoremongering, wrath, anxiety, yellow-bellied fear, and abusive booze. That'll get us through the alphabet. Any single one of them sinks our soul into hell. That's why we need an object lesson, and I'm sorry that I don't have a body to produce this morning. If somebody would help me, we'll get a body for next Sunday. Every one of us are going to be an object lesson for the rest of the church before this is over. And it's a great object lesson. Death is only the beginning. That is why Jesus warned, ye shall die in your sins. That wasn't a warning about death. That was a warning about something that comes after death because of sins. And so Jesus does teach us, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You say, well, I don't believe in the judgment. Then tell me where death came from. I want to know where death came from. Why do babies die? Why does everything die? There is a judgment for sin. If you have one sin to your account before a holy God, you're doomed. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You should be at James. If you come back just a few pages to Hebrews chapter 9, let me close with a couple of verses. I just gave you Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, you have an appointment by God and you will keep it. I will keep it. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. To bear the sins of many. And I speak to my many brethren that love the Lord Jesus Christ today and that have shown by continuing in his word and changing your life that you're his. And that's not everyone in this room. Some in this room don't change. They're the same now as they were five years ago, the same as they were ten years ago. They aren't going to heaven. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Without sin. Thank you, Lord, for coming back for us without sin. In Romans chapter 5, it said, the law entered. Why did God give us the law 2,500 years after creation? The law entered that the offense might abound. God gave the law to show us the exceeding sinfulness of sin. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. We've got Adam, 12 through 19. The law entered. 2,500 years later, 
that the offense of Adam and his effect on the human race might abound so that we would know that we're all condemned before God. Are you ready? I love the inspired disjunctives in God's word. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Is that grace yours? Don't dream it. We don't believe in being dreamers in this church. We reject dreamers. Are you living it? Jesus said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the freedom there is from the slavery of sin, so that we can have changed lives. Change lives, prove conti- truth, which proves continuing in his word, which proves a, a disciple indeed, which proves following Jesus Christ. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. 1 John 1 7, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all, all sin. Yes, brother, all sin. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, and with it I close. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 describes God giving Jesus Christ a body to come and die for us, which means the body was broken and the blood was shed. And it says in verse 10, by the which will, this is God's will in sending Jesus for us, by the which will we are sanctified, that is to make us holy, that's what the word sanctified means, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all time, once for all sins, once for all of the elect. It's in italics. It's inspired ambiguity. It, doesn't, it isn't defined by the immediate context. It's all any way you want to look at it. All time, all sins, all elect. And it says in verse 17, based on this will of God and their sins and iniquities, will I remember no more. And amen. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.